0: y'all welcome back to the get fit podcast so i have a super exciting guest for us today she is actually in another country So we know I love my international guests. I do not get nearly enough of them on, but I have a feeling it's going to be a more common occurrence because we met on Clubhouse and Clubhouse is freaking popping. I would not have thought that even like four days ago, like from when we're recording this, I did an episode last week and I was like, Clubhouse, whatever. Don't get it. I get it. I get it. There's so many cool people on here. So I am so glad that we were able to connect. I've got Miss Tiffany Corsara. My optimism is she just told me how to say it and I think I got it wrong, but we are going. Uh, She is an inner transformation specialist and she is also an author. She does TV, she's a CEO. So we're gonna get so much good stuff just to hear her story. So if you just wanna snag the floor, tell us your story, how you got here. Tell me, tell me all the things I don't know yet.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Cassie. So fun to be here. Yeah, we met on Clubhouse just yesterday, I believe, and here we are. It's amazing. So uh, uh, yeah, my name is Tiffany, and I. Okay, how did I get to where I am? Uh, so from the age of four, I. That's when I first saw a deck of tarot. I was four. And after that, Barbie and Ken didn't really cut the mustard. So... (laughs) <laughs> um, I was reading astrology books at the age of five and uh, yeah, no Enid Blyton or anything along those lines for me. And I, I wanted to be a psychic when I grew up, except there wasn't really uh, that option in uh, to take at school. And I was always seen as the weird and wacky one by my friends. And I was brought up in a very small town, so it didn't really help that I was a bit different Uh, you resonate. uh, Yeah. And then I moved to London. And all of those weird and wacky things were suddenly recognized as gifts. It was like, wow, I can be who I want to be there's space for me to to um, be seen and acknowledged and recognized for who I am, and that I have something of uh, value to give, a service to give. I opened my own shop. That was a bit of a crazy story. That was in 2003 and it was right next to a methadone clinic and two minutes away from the Maudsley, which is one of London's largest psychiatric units. And that's where I first went professional. So my first paid client had actually escaped from the Maudsley and she asked me where her head was and I said do you mean your your mental emotional or spiritual head and she said no my physical head they removed it in surgery gave it to Cher Cher gave it to Michael Jackson he ran off with it and nobody knows where it is and I, I
0: thought I had to share too so I mean there are worse you places are. For, there are worse places for my head to be than hanging out with Cher so I get that <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh gosh,
1: holy moly! I kind of really need a a strong um, something. You know, this was my own shop. I was in it on my own kind of thing and everything. So I, that day, I made up the three golden rules for tarot. And my three golden rules were positivity, not negativity; healing, not prediction; and empowerment, not dependency. It was an interesting three years. We had crystals in the shop and people would come in and say, what are you doing here? The only crystals people are interested in here is mess. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting three years. And after that, I shut shop and went to work for my dream job then, which was for a company called Mysteries in Covent Garden, which is London's West End Theatre land. And so I started reading for everyone from the homeless to celebrities, the whole shebang. And I got headhunted to start teaching tarot and they wanted me to write a manual. And that manual ended up getting published as uh, The Transformational Truth of Tarot. And that won an award for best spiritual book of 2012 which opened the door to doing readings on TV but the thing was uh, all of the problems that I had been seeing around uh, how people were using tarot their understanding of tarot was actually aggravating problems like mental health or obsessions or Addiction, toxic relationships, codependency. And so, actually, as I had gone on, this, uh, the first seed, shall we say, with the client, it had just grown and grown and got magnified with every step I had taken. So when I got onto the TV, it was just it was gigantic. And I was like, I cannot, I can't do this anymore because it was a mixture of being in a gambling off-license fairground kind of environment. And I just it was breaking my heart because I just knew I know to me the tarot is divinity. They're gods. They're 78 gods and each one is the hero with a thousand faces it's the divinity in a tangible form but when people come to the tarot they usually come to it because there's something they want to know the answer to and feel like it's something outside of themselves and it's It's quite a codependent dynamic. And so it's basically um, an abuse. It's an abuse of your divinity inside yourself, the universe and the tarot. So I had to come away from it and, and, uh, start my own business in helping intuitives to understand where and when they are using their intuition as out tuition, i.e. tuning out of themselves and into a person, a situation or even a card. And uh, how that actually, when you do that, it is like ouch tuition. It's like, it goes ouch, you know, it's just like any addiction does. And how you can actually use it in a way that honors the divinity in you, the universe and the tarot. That's it in a nutshell, really.
0: That's such a journey that you went on. And to, so some people would see or they would like start and have a shop and just like this out of the box place and be like, I can't make this work. And you looked at that and you were like, I'm going to make it work. You don't know how you were like, this is what I'm Here to do, and you stayed with it. And I love that you talked about how like it did evolve, and it became something that you didn't want, but you removed yourself from it. You didn't just be like, "Well, the money's good. I'm getting all this exposure, and it did all these things, so I just have to stick with it." I really honor that you were like, "This isn't what I was trying to do. I'm not. This isn't how I'm trying to help people." And pulling back into that, so that's amazing because there's definitely people who, you know run their business and then they're like, well, I'm just making a lot of money. It's maybe not great, but that's what they're doing because there's always that risk involved. So what was like writing your book like? I love talking to authors. I've had a ton of authors on here. I am, I'm gonna finish a book one day. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna get past 80 pages one of these days. (laughs) And so anytime I have an author on, I'm like, how did you, how did you get the idea? How long did it take you to do it? Just what was the process like? Because for something like transformational tarot, there's so many parts of that because there are so many cards. There's so much about it, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I have the bare bones understanding of it because my friends like Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, that's, pull a card for me and they'll give me like a little reading and I'm like yes we're here for that but what was creating a book like this when there's so much nuance and intuitive things that go into it what was that creation process like for an award-winning book
1: yeah well um I guess I was lucky in that I was told that I had to write a manual and if you tell me to write my my challenge is um stopping not starting (laughs) And at the same time, I was working in London, but I was living in Cornwall, which is right down the southwest tip of England. And uh, for us, English, that's a long way from London. I know it, like in America, it's probably just a short hop skip. but six hours uh, train commute to work is unheard of here in uh, in England. So I had plenty of time. <laughs> I used to just sit there with my laptop and just, and uh, so I wrote it on the train. Basically, I used that time. So I think if you have um, a reason to write a book, and you have carved out time, you can get it done. But it's, uh, it's having that passion or that big why and also carving out the time I personally I'm not someone that can just go for an hour and then switch off and I think you've got to know who you are are you one of those people that can sit down for an hour a day at the same time, if you can, a lot of authors say that, you know, just sit down maybe first thing in the morning for an hour a day and get, get it out there and then switch off. I can't do that. It's like all or nothing. So um, yeah, like I said, my challenge is stopping. So for instance, last year, um, I wrote a book, I think in two weeks, and it was just, uh, it had been there for ages and it was just like, this is the time. And this time last year, I set an intention to do a planner and I had it all, like, you've got, I think, lovely post-it notes behind you, Cassie. It looks like you've got, like,
0: <laughs> lovely goals or things set out. And I, I go on. I did. Um, so it's like this 75-day fitness challenge, so on one side right. i put all 75 days and then as i did the day i moved them and it was you have to follow like all these really strict things and there's like two workouts a day and you have to read and you have to do all this personal development i love fitness and i love breathing and i i learned to like water because you have to drink a gallon a day and it was really hard. And it was the hardest 75 days that I oh. had done because it was I was like you have to you have to do 45 minutes, you have to do two 45 minute workouts. You have like one that's outside. So I was like half marathon training, and then like you have like, one in the gym. And so it was just always being busy. Mm. I've never been so time structured in my life and I love schedules but like to do that and so I made like a whole wall yeah. so and if you miss one day you have to start all the way over so, oh yeah so okay like, full so I finished it a couple months ago but I'm just like I accomplished it so it lives there and so amazing started again. well done but I yeah anytime someone sees that they think that I'm writing a book and then all the chapters and I'm like that is probably <laughs> how I will do it if I ever finish because my problem isn't starting it's finishing and not being like well this idea won't fit here but I could write something else about this and then moving on yeah. I am yeah notorious for being like well this is a better idea and then right. moving yeah. on so yeah. I love that you were like two weeks maybe I should just be like giving myself like a time to be like I'm gonna write on one subject for two weeks so I think that's an idea that I haven't thought about doing so I'm gonna write that down yeah well, I
1: think, you know, Some it's like you can be pregnant with the idea of a book for ages. And it's, it's like the soul of the book is just hovering around and you're aware of it. And you're like, okay, I know you're there. And then you might start to judge yourself because you're not allowing it to come through. But actually, it's like I have the same belief about children like that. We think, you know, we plan for children or things along those lines, but actually they come through when they come through. And this is exactly what happened with the planner because I thought, right, I'm going to be really structured. So I set an intention last year to do this planner. And I was like, I'm going to write three pages a day and it will be ready to market in October. Right. October came. I hadn't written a single page and then 1am on Boxing Day it's like I went into labour with this book baby and there was nothing I could do about it. I was in front of the computer solid for about 36 hours in my PJs and um, I boshed it out basically. I was lucky I had two midwives which are my support team and uh, yeah in a week. We'd had this planner uh, ready. I mean, yeah, of course, it's a little bit late now, but uh, yeah, I couldn't believe the size of it. A thousand pages.
0: I've bought so many planners in the middle of, of the year just because yeah, I don't one anymore. And then like, this one's better. Like I I like the planner I've had now. I've had it for three months. That's not to say that come July, I'm going to be like, well, this one's better. Yes, yeah, so true. You can never yeah. go wrong with a new planner. I'm just going to say that planners I'm with you half of my (laughs) planners because I like to you know and I love that planners you can go and reflect and I really do enjoy seeing what I was doing like two or three years ago just to see that progress because on a day-to-day basis I'm like just living my life, la, la, la. And then I look at like 2017 and I'm like, who was that person? How did we Uh get
1: here? Absolutely. We are always thinking we're not doing, being, or having enough. But actually the process of reflection is like, oh, kudos, you know.
0: (laughs) It's fantastic. Yeah. So I I love that you love. Dig into intuition. So how the heck do we know what's our intuition and what is that out tuition are there feelings that should like come up when we're like trying to make decisions when we're in our day-to-day like in relationships and friendships and business Mm -hmm. how do we know what's actually our intuition is telling us versus what we think we should be doing based off of other people's opinions Mm. because sometimes those things are the same and our intuition is lining up with what someone else has recommended because it's the right idea versus what I feel one way but all these people are saying something else who's right yeah yeah lean into making intuitive choices
1: great question I guess um to put it down into a nutshell that's the question I'm often asked about. um, Yeah, how do I know that I am coming from intuition? How, How do you know what is the right choice, right? Or what is fear and what is intuition? There's two types of intuition. There is the fast knowing type that is, it's like for me anyway, it comes through the head and it's just like, almost like someone's just said something and it's just ding it's just arrived in my head and if you start to second doubt that that's the problem so it's quite fast right but then there's also the slower type of intuition which is more in the gut and it's the feeling based and it requires us to slow down to hear or to feel to, to be in the body and feel that um, feel that place of yeah no that's where I'm at I'm going to tell you two stories and then I'm going to tell you the conclusion of what question to ask to um, for you to know uh, always what is the right intuitive decision. But here's two stories uh, that will help this. So the first one is I was dancing in a crazy place barefoot with about 100 people. There was a really big man in front of me going for it. And it was really packed. And I thought, he's going to step on my foot any minute, right? And then I dithered. I was like, is this my intuition? Or is it fear? Do I need to move or not? And by the time I started wondering, am I being intuitive? Is it fear? But he, Yeah, he stepped on my foot. Ouch. And then like landed bang on my foot. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, did I manifest that? Was it my intuition? Yeah, that's one story demonstrating that type of thing. Another story that is so that Another story that's going to demonstrate it, and it's going to tie up all at the end nicely, is I once got the lottery numbers, literally six numbers in my head. And I didn't put them in one ticket. I split them across two lines because I didn't slow down enough. I couldn't believe it. I was in a real resistance place with it all and I won two tenors instead of 4.5 million. So for that one, I actually needed to slow down. For the first one, I needed to speed up. And you might be there and thinking, well, how do I know when I need to speed up or slow down? It's actually one question to ask yourself and it's nothing to do with intuition and everything to do with self-worth. If I had had self-worth, in the first instance I wouldn't have been dithering around thinking is this my intuition or am I manifesting it what would I have done if I had self-worth I would have just moved out of the way right okay and with number two if I had self-worth I would have believed or like it wouldn't matter whether I believed it or not I would have trusted or just I've got the numbers it doesn't need to be complex I'll just put them down and I would have won 4.5 million but because I didn't have self-worth I couldn't believe it I couldn't allow it and so actually the question how do I know when I'm coming from my intuition there are no such thing as wrong questions but if I I was ever going to say that's the wrong question it's a wrong question (laughs) it takes you down the wrong path whereas if you ask yourself am I coming from a place of self-worth that that is the million dollar question and a lot of intuitives think that self-worth is something that you have to um, develop over years like we're so like ah you know that's a really complex area and it's gonna take ages blah 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 and that's not true it's not a spectrum it's actually switch it's like you're either coming from your self-esteem or self-worth to switch on or off at any one time and how you switch it on is that question like am I coming from self-worth yes or no what would self-worth do in this situation this is the question what would self-worth do in this situation
0: that's phenomenal I have. I'm like I have to like figure out how to say words right now um that, that is going to change so many people's lives when they hear this because I'm thinking of all of the times that I have questioned whether or not something was my intuition, whether or not I should do something because I tend to over, I tend to get things really quickly and then I overthink them and Mm. map out whether or not I should do them and make like pros and cons lists and still end up with what I started with, but the idea of flipping the switch to being like, "What is my self worth saying about this? If I have it, I should do it." That's like a whole next level life breakthrough I just had in real time. Um, wow! Bless, love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's so that's so important. I've not had self worth come up in any any of these intuitive conversations that I've had with people before. It's always just like trusting, like the feeling that your body knows. But the way your body knows is that self worth piece is you know that you are worthy of all those things. And I'm I'm not glad that you didn't win all of the money, but also kind of because maybe you wouldn't be here if you had won all the money. But like maybe. So, that's I just I feel like I just used this entire page of notes. I don't even know where we go from here. I'm like, well, Michael, where are we go? <laughs> That's what you get. You're trusting your intuition. Are you tapping into your self worth? Because that's yeah. such a thing that we that I know that I struggle with. Entrepreneurs struggle with. Like people who listen to this. Like, how do you find your self worth? Well, you already are worthy. You don't need a whole yes. bunch of things. And our society has unfortunately conditioned us into. This wonderful world of capitalism where the more you have, the more you're doing, the better you are as a person, the more worthy you are. And I was stuck in that for forever. I, my own husband is, we were still working through like, babe, you don't have to make like $100,000 for me to love you. Like you don't have to have X, Y, and Z for you to be worthy of those things like you just are so mm. mic drop here's important see I was gonna like talk about like Clubhouse next I'm just like well no nope, no nope. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: yeah okay um yeah exactly it's most people think you know um on the surface it appears that I do tarot but actually you know what I do is I work with intuitives to come back into themselves So it is the self worth piece, is exactly that. Like you said, about we are all inherent worthy beings, and uh, a lot of intuitives. I mean, it's it's the same for everyone. Like you say, your husband and the society that we live in. Uh, it's just intuitives are the, are the section that I work with. Yes. And they do have problems with. Generally, it comes down to their self-worth switch is off. And it's been jammed off for a very long time. So long, they've forgotten that they even have one. And yeah, okay.
0: I don't know what schools in other countries are like, but for here, it's if you're not getting certain grades, you're not doing certain activities, like if you're not achieving on the level, uh, arbitrary levels that people just implemented and were like, you need to fit into this box and you have to score this well on these things. And so even as kids, like I was Hardcore into academics because that was my validation. I was like, if I, if I get an A, someone is nicer to me. My parents are better to me. My school stuff is better. So that idea of all of my worth was tied into academics. And when I graduated college and I no longer had that, my world kind of imploded (laughs) because I was like, I'm not just getting A's on papers and I'm just out here in the real world. So having to come back and like detach that is like is crazy. I'm like, sure. I lived in this for so long and now I'm like, oh, we're all inherently worthy of you know existing and we're all yeah. just working towards that. So it's a lot of like unlearning and going backwards to yeah trust yourself trust your intuitives know that you're worthy of things and it doesn't matter what numbers in your bank account or like where you are in life like you're just you're good right now yes as long as you're not committing crimes and killing people you if you if you're like a murderer please stop listening to my podcast we are not friends um but definitely that's so that's so important.
1: Uh, and I hear you. I When I went to America, like I said, I'd just been to California for a couple of weeks. But from what I saw, I would say that for me, it, it was like I saw England or England's problems uh, under a microscope. So it was like times four. I would have timesed it by four, if that makes sense.
0: Cali's a rough one to visit if you've never been here. I mean, I love right. Cali. I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I had tons of friends there. I got to tons of events there, but like Cali is its own kind of show environment where you're always trying to have more at the same time. The richest people in the U.S. basically live in Cali, and that is juxtaposed to the exploding homeless crisis because all of the rich people bought all the houses, and no one can afford to live there. And it's just, it's just this insane divide to watch happen and see it go in such polar opposite extremes. And yes. like, well, what the heck do we do now? When was the last time you felt like you were having an amazing time creating a budget? When was the last time you felt empowered by your money? When was the last time you even looked at how much debt you currently have? For most of us, We try not to think about the debts that we owe and the number in our bank account if it's not something that we're proud of. Having lived this really terrible money story life from overdrafted accounts, tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and struggling to make ends meet, I get it. And that's why... I have created my high-touch 12-week group coaching program. This is going to go over my budget blueprint that allowed me to pay off $48,000 in debt in 19 months. And I'm also going to teach you how to do multiple other types of budget. I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all attitude towards money. You're going to learn a variety of budgeting techniques. We're going to make you some fun savings plans. We're going to take back your power over money with 12 weeks and eight Zoom calls, a private Facebook community, so that you can see that others are just doing the same dang thing you are. Also included in this is going to be a week-long manifestation practice so we can really call in all of the money that we are deserving. Doors are open right now, and they will be closing on February 11th, so make sure that you check out the link in the bio here. And I can't wait to see you in your money, your rules.
1: Yeah, that was exactly it. Uh well, one one of the things that I absolutely saw, because there was being there was people that could no longer afford their rent and it was being subsidized. But it's like, how long could that keep up? And
0: all the tents in LA and And yeah. there's like whole parking lots that are dedicated to people who are living in their car so they have like a safe space and so much of me is like that's amazing that we're doing that but if we can clear parking lots mm-hmm. why can't we clear buildings <laughs> to put people in and I'm I live on this kind of like I think that everyone should work for things but I also think that basic shelter and food and power should absolutely not even be a question like there should be a Touched baseline me. for being a human like Agreed. I didn't used to think that and as I've gotten older I'm like well why not like why and that's that's my new life experiences I'm like this it's insane to me that people are working forty hours a week and still having to live in their cars because they can't afford rent. I'm like, that absolutely. is a basic human right. They are not bad people, but it's a basic human thing. So absolutely.
1: Yeah. It comes back to being inherently worthy, doesn't it? And if we're if we're on this planet, we're on this planet for a reason, we've got feet on the land, it is we are inherently worthy to our little patch of land. And yeah, there is there is uh, so much so much that people will relate to what your your story about the ah oh, you know if I get good grades or I'm a good girl or I'm a high achiever, uh, then you know um, I'll I'll be approved I'll be liked, and that is what's called other esteem. Whereas when you know that you are inherently worthy. When a negative thing happens, you you can actually navigate yourself. You can survive it because you know that actually it's a separate thing. It's not something that's going to implode inside of you because you've put all your worth or value into Someone else or something else which is a really dangerous thing to do and that is the really the bottom reason why I had to come away from what I was doing and start going you know actually what the tarot is is it is 70 as I said 78 divine gods and goddesses and it will show you because it's a mirror it will show you how you're um, relating to yourself, to another person or to a divinity. So if you like most people, when they get tarot, right, they're like, I was the same, (laughs) you know, it was around me from when I was four. But when I started really going into it, I was a teenager. And I was obsessive about it. And it took me down a dark path. So this is another you know, all of this stuff has come out from my own kind of walking it. Anyway, so you'll get, you'll get like your tarot deck and you'll be like with a card and you'll be like, this card you'll be, say I've got the magician here and you'll be like, magician, I need to know everything about you. And there's this trying to get to know everything about this card instantly. And it's almost like, if you imagine going on a date with an, with the magician, right? What would the, if you were on a date with him and you went, I need to know everything about you. And then it was like, okay, well, I'll tell you this little bit. And then you go, "Mm, I don't actually really trust what you've told me. So I'm going to go over there and see what this person has written about you.
0: (laughs) Do you think that date would work? See what I was still dating? And then when I started dating my husband. I had like Facebook and Instagram stalked him before. I'm like, I was that person who on a first date, I had to make sure that I didn't say anything that they hadn't (laughs) told me because I had already figured (laughs) out what they did. I was like, I know where you went on vacation. I know so many things about you. So I'm like, I just got to fill in the details and see if like what you're telling me is the truth. I was like that crazy. (laughs) So me on the date with the magician, I'd be like, so I already learned all these things about you, let's examine it. <laughs> I would be that like analytical. I okay I would probably dive so deep in and be like everything about the magician and then I'd learn about the magician history and then I'd be like, and then I would ask their friends and be like, what do you think about this thing? It would be like a whole group effort. I'm really bad at like <laughs> Singular source. Okay. Experiences. Yeah. So if you if you went into learning
1: the tarot, then it may well be that you'd want to like read everything about it and find everything about it. And uh, but you see, the tarot doesn't really doesn't want me to do do that. No. (laughs) <laughs> right so so it would kind of mirror that back to you like whatever dynamic is not great for your relationship to yourself or another being or the universe the tarot will mirror it back to you Um whereas if you are in a place where you're like hey, beautiful long-lost friend, I'm so happy to see you. And you like open up and you give them a massive hug and you're like, this is just such a beautiful divine moment. I'm so happy to welcome you in my life and for you to share with me whatever you want to share with me. That is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. And when you relate with the tarot in that way, Uh, that's when your relationship to your own divinity and the relationships all around you and with the universe transform. And
0: that's why my book is called The Transformational Truth of Tarot. Perfect. I will definitely get a link for that book um, and put it in the bio so everyone can check that out in the show notes here. So we're recording at the beginning of 2021. We made it through 2020. Mm. What would you say is probably like your biggest takeaway from 2020? Like what what big message or like what what's something that you look back at 2020 and you're like, I'm glad that I learned this or had mm. such and such experience
1: it's interesting because we were talking about intuition and out tuition and you know um planning and things along those lines and I I had a plan at the beginning of 2020 when? more than maybe ever before
0: <laughs>
1: what did you say sorry no needs
0: a plan
1: <laughs> yeah when you got the universe it's weird because I'm not you know, I know that when I set an intention, it's normally the opposite happens. Um, and that's, there's something greater than I could ever possibly imagined that is on the other side of that. Uh, but I definitely got into this planning and per- perfectionism and. <laughs> I think the way I have to say it is I began last year in Mexico. I was in Tulum and uh, yeah, on New Year's Day, I was in Tulum. And 2020 is the number four in the tarot. So two plus two, 2024, which is the emperor. Okay, Uh, the emperor archetype. And the emperor actually came through to me uh, that day and said to me, Tiffany if humanity isn't in the place of alignment this year the karmic whack is going to be huge like never before and I was like okay that's a massive message but I had no idea but if we look at 2020 uh, we definitely had so much about the emperor especially you guys in America as well you know and the lockdown is just like all over you know government and number four we've been incarcerated in our four walls um so he really i got it you know as as it went on but i had another message when i a personal one when i was in mexico which was like we've brought you here to feel what it is like when you are connected to the supernatural energy so much so that you don't actually need a plan right that you you just screw the plan and it flows it absolutely flows and it's so funny because i just came back and got stuck in the plan more than i had ever done in my life and did it work no it didn't um everything just totally didn't go to plan it's like that I was back for a month and my mother-in-law had a stroke ended up in a coma and then passed five days later that was just as lockdown one was coming in so we had to go through like how do you do the funeral with the this whole new world and then my father-in-law has just been locked down literally ever since then my Granddad, bless him, he was 97 and he was my most beautiful, like my closest relative. He went down suddenly as well, and I ended up being a living carer. We didn't want him to go in a care home. At the same time, my mum got cancer, and it was like all these life crises were happening. And you know, they don't stop, do they, just because COVID is there. And it was like, there was no way I could follow a plan, no way on earth I could follow a plan. And I've looked back at it and thought, you know what, actually, what 2020 has taught me is that it's really important to not get too much into the plan. And not to get um, into that place of perfection, where you are just um, going over things a bit maybe like what you were saying, Cassie, you know, um, trying to to stick to a plan, trying to get things perfect. And that's definitely where I found myself in, which was the opposite of the message I got in Mexico. And you might be here now thinking, but Tiffany, you did a planner. <laughs> but this planner is is all about how to actually just have a, a daily portal into the divine message for you uh, rather than yeah there's like 90 day trackers and things like that but it's it's like actually how do you support yourself to know what's going on inside of you and stay connected to that on a daily there's things on in there on a daily to put that first and foremost so yeah I guess that's the life is what happens when you make plans and I think 2020 is a massive year for a bit like the tarot in the whatever is not working in your face whatever is wrong in the dynamic in your life it is been magnified Yes. And in that it is a, it is a gift and it's a bit of a wake up call of like, oh my God, I can't live my life like this anymore. Um, But those karmic, it's like people used to come to me sometimes because they thought that they had a curse on them. And to me, a curse or is a karmic lesson. It is a like, it's like if you, even if someone has put a curse on you, what, is that on the law of attraction, there is some karmic lesson about what you are resonating with or doing or putting out there in the world. So I think we've just had a, a massive karmic whack from the emperor in 2020 and actually there's great things that come out of it even though it's been really hard for you know I have lost people this year or I've been trying to support people that have lost their spouses or have had sudden illnesses or have um, needed end-of-life care that wasn't really available but even that was a gift to spend those last few days with like My granddad was my spiritual teacher. So to actually be there with him, yes, he lacked on the medical care, which was hard to see him suffering like that. But actually to have that time at home, which I knew he would have chosen, to be with his family above and beyond being in a care home in Corona. And I I feel, I feel so much for the people that have got relatives in care homes or in hospital long term. And uh, yeah, middle aged people my age that have that kids at home that they've got a homeschool and businesses they've got to run and maybe older parents in care homes. It's tough. It's really, really hard. And I'm not saying that they. Are having karmic whacks. It's not like as black and white and as simple as that. But on the grander scheme of things, I don't know if you've seen Corona is our future, but it is a karmic whack. Uh, it's a TED talk. It looks like you have seen it by the nodding of your head. So hopefully, I mean us, we we we're patterning creatures. We're predictable t- creatures. It's like the the old age tale of the Tower of Babel, which is in the tarot as the tower, you know, and uh, we've been doing it for so long, getting above our station, and then God comes along and bang, uh, you're, not, you're not doing this anymore, you know, and separates people. Last time in the, well, last time, but in the Babel t- Tower, it was language that was actually you know we were scattered to four corners of the earth and we spoke in different tongues and that's how we were separated so we didn't get too big for our boots and this time we're separated in our four walls you know but there are gifts that are very strong and very similar to working with the tarot in that when you work with the tarot it magnifies everything that is not in a divine alignment in your life and it's when that is so in front of your face and you can't escape from it that you have
0: to change it and i think that's the gift really in 2020 2020 was for sure a year of change and i had a plan at the beginning of 2020 i was like this is going to be my year And then I was still, like, working full-time at a hotel. And then when that shut down with COVID, I was like, well. And I spent probably the last nine months just throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what Uh would stick. I've just tried everything new under the sun between new social media platforms, new businesses, like, working on my marriage. Like, because my husband and I are home full-time, all the time. We got more cats. We just have tried so many different things and a lot of I am a recovering perfectionist so there was no way that without 2020 that I would have started doing anything without having every single detail now I'm just like I'll figure it out it's fine like whatever good good yes it's either gonna work or it's not so and I feel that for a lot of people because I have tons of friends who also lost their jobs with COVID, who started new things. They were like, well, I'm not making any money anyway. I'm just at home. And that's been really great, but it has been really hard to um, be super isolated. We We just moved to a new state right before COVID. So we have not seen any of our family, any of our friends in over a year. Like we've mm. just been here. Um, and that's been, I didn't think it would be that hard because I was used to not seeing anyone because I travel and I move a lot. But it's been a long, long time mm. since I've seen any other humans that aren't my husband that have had any conversation with so i have more appreciative and i feel like a lot of people in my life are more appreciative because we've lost people we've lost careers we've lost so much but like you said we we are resilient people have lost everything and still we carry on like we will somehow most of us will survive covid and this will be a thing that we look back on and see how we did it how we changed how we made more for people and how we were able to help people adjust like people working from home now that's great for a lot of people like with kids they get to be with their families they're figuring out that their desk job they could actually do all of that work really quick and then move on to other stuff so Mm. My friends working remote are like, oh, I get all my stuff done in like four hours. And as long as I turn in all my paperwork and finish all the deals, like, I'm good to go. I'm like, yeah, yes, Brilliant. that is the best. And so it's opened up so much for people, and it's taken away and it's opened up so many new avenues. For us as Absolutely. a collective humans, because as shitty as the global pandemic is, it's one thing that we're actually all working towards together. I and mean, as far as I know, in my short lifetime, I've never, and I don't really think I've read anything where like all of the countries were putting their best people to figure out how to save lives, how to Absolutely. create something. So there's so much hope. In yes. That for me to look at and be like all these countries who were up until now just like killing the crap out of each other like COVID we're gonna you know, get locked down we're gonna we gonna get a vaccine because there's too much at risk to keep being at war over those things right now so I mean oh,
1: so well said that. now I'm dropping the mic now yeah and in that way I I would I would so if we, if we had to choose between a war and, a, and COVID, COVID uh, I'll have COVID. Well, no, I don't want COVID personally, but you know what I mean? I would rather live in a pandemic that um, brings the world together to actually work on a solution rather than divides it through war.
0: Because uh... COVID does not care. COVID does not give a crap. You are a man, a woman. You, However you identify, whatever color your skin is, COVID does not care. COVID is here to kill you. Yeah. COVID doesn't care. Um, and that kind of universal just understanding of it can happen to anyone has made it so it's not us against them. It's us against COVID, which I think is better in some regards because we're we're caring about other people in other countries there are people dying everywhere and we're talking about it and we're thinking about it it's not just oh over in like england this is happening it's happening here too africa it's happening Mm -hmm. it's freaking happening in antarctica guys there are scientists who have covid in Antarctica this is the world across the way so all of us coming together is awesome and you know hopefully we can keep that going Like I hope this has bridged a lot of gaps in things yes my
1: neighbor is um, a bachelor of science and he was so happy when he heard about the vaccine he said to me Tiffany this means he said I'm so excited because of what you said just now Cassie like It shows what's possible when the whole world comes together to solve a problem. And actually, it means that um, this can be the end of the common cold. It can be the end of the flu. It's like, um, you know, a breakthrough on so many, I think, I don't know if it was polio, something in Africa that is cured now because of the vaccine.
0: Like polio's wiped out. And then I think it was either... 2018, 2019 that they finished, malaria, vaccines. And it's like, because we had all these things, I'm like, the capacity to do vaccine rollouts like this is, is there. Like, there are some, like, Africa is literally the framework for how you get it to the people, how you store it. So I've really enjoyed seeing them reach out to those scientists and those people who are on the ground to how do you, how do you get the vaccine? Like we created it. How do you get it in people? Like in those rollout procedures. And it's like, we have to work with all these other countries because they've done it. They have a plan and like countries that we wouldn't normally like Kenya and Nigeria are like, well, we know how to handle malaria. This is what you do. More like, and states are applying that. And now that we do have a new administration, like at the time of recording this, Biden-Harris were sworn in yesterday. So America has a federal vaccine plan now. We have a plan. And Mm -hmm. it comes from different countries who have been squashing the heck out of Ebola, out of malaria for all these years, Mm -hmm. and just really crossing the lines of putting humanity first. And I am here for it it's amazing it is amazing
1: to witness that and uh you know like my my neighbor said he's hopeful that things will now this same amount of togetherness that has he's seen he's really hopeful that the next thing on the list is now solving climate change so fingers crossed and this is it again isn't it what we were talking about like um, we'll struggle on in our own little worlds of like this is the way the world is and then something big comes along that looks like it's um, an absolute nightmare and it is in so many ways but actually it's what it leads to that is incredible.
0: We have the capacity to be a real global society taking care of everyone because everyone deserves to be alive and to live well no matter where you started so I'm super excited for that um and I just love to close these out with if you could go back to like 16 year old you what is the biggest piece of advice that you would give yourself
1: you know I would have said um up until this in this podcast I would have said trust yourself but in keeping with this podcast and everything that we have said it's um, always ask yourself what would self-worth
0: do absolutely and definitely if you are listening to this and you are asking what would your self-worth do please post it on your instagram tag us let us know leave the reviews all this good stuff share it to all your friends that is how the podcast gets out and then in the show notes here is going to be our Instagram handles, Facebooks, how to find us. It is, of course, going to have Clubhouse names. If you are someone who is new to Clubhouse, I am still crash course learning it. So if you want to co host a room, you just want to learn more about the platform, definitely hit up either of us. And we would just love to work with you and spend time with you because there's so much value. And the more that we work together, the bigger and better things that we accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I am just so thankful that you took the time to hang out with us. I know I had some huge breakthroughs and I can't wait to hear what everyone else's breakthroughs are as well. Ah, absolutely.
1: Thank you so much. It's been beautiful. I can't wait to see what happens and the ripples from this are so exciting.